Welcome to NREI's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at NREIOnline.com. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Today, we're going to be covering more top stories. Good afternoon, David. How are you? I'm doing well this week. How are you? Doing great. And I know that we've got a bunch of stuff to cover today. Um, yeah. What do we want to start with? So um wanted to to just to actually focus a little bit to on updates of things that we have been talking about right. and just a, just to some of the latest developments with those. So a couple of things is that you know the Fed probably the biggest news not just for commercial real estate but but for investment in general is the fact that that the Federal Reserve cut rates again this week. Yeah. So I wanted to just like talk about what that might mean. Then we work, which we've spent a lot of time looking at just because of, you know, all the buzz around and all the questions. Um, and as we even contemplated last week, they have come, they have decided to postpone that IPO. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to just kind of like, you know, just touch on that for a little bit. Then, then after that, we had a a story that I thought was really interesting about um, what some subscription uh, online subscription services are doing now to establish brick and mortar presences. And there's just a, a lot of really interesting examples that we could talk about. And then, you know, then we, then there's a couple other sort of bullet points we might hit, but that's kind of the highlights for today. All right. Sounds good. So we're going to start with the, the feds cutting some rates. Um, yeah. And, and obviously that's good news for, I would say most people, most businesses. Um, but what does that mean for an investor? Yeah, so obviously this is now the second time um, that he's that the Fed has cut rates after you know we we had interest rates at basically zero percent for a long time, and then we had this very gradual process of of rising rates back up as a way to you know with with all the growth that was happening, and now suddenly you know questions about the recession about a recession or other warning signs mm-hmm. we see the stimulus happening so um i think it's you know interesting how quickly the gear shifted this is now a 50 basis point cut from where rates were so specifically for commercial real estate investors we always look at what you know the the way that that the fed rate plays in is is a is on both the debt and equity side because on one hand it you know, lower interest rates lowers the cost of debt. So, which is very, very obviously very important for any investor um, that's that's leveraging their investment. And real mm-hmm. estate is a highly leveraged business. So we have that. And then on the flip side, um, what it means is that as an investable asset, often uh, you know, real estate is benchmarked against uh, you know the spread on cap rates to. Uh, where the where Fed rates are, where Treasury rates are, is uh, you know often a, a gauge of whether uh, of whether people are going to make a decision to continue to invest in real estate or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it does affect it in in different ways, David. But what do you think the reaction is going to be? I mean, is this uh, honestly uh, is it going to be something where people are actually going to start to make different moves uh, as opposed to last week? I think that it probably extends the you know we we we're in this long-term growth cycle probably the longest real estate cycle that we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. This provides some more room for growth. I, I don't know if it's going to like have the 
have the impact of somebody that wasn't going to do a deal yesterday is now going to suddenly make make the decision because of this 25 basis point spread. But I think it does give some, you know, if there were some people that were feeling some caution, which I think we have talked about, um, this will ease some of that caution, you know, so, so maybe somebody was thinking about a deal and now this will put a little bit more, um, weight on the side of, okay, I feel okay. Moving ahead with this deal, my cost of capital may go down or the return I'm going to get is more attractive, looks more attractive relative to the alternatives. And, you know, so there, it it just like, so I, I think it, it feeds into, um, I think, the rest of this year continuing to be a good, you know, like a good period for commercial real estate. So I th- that that's 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 like my thinking, and that's sort of like what I think most of the, um, and that's based on what we're seeing from, you know, the commentators in the market, from mm-hmm. the people that are measuring investment sales volumes from the brokerage firms. There's generally, I think, that's generally a consensus is that, you know. I don't think it's going to, it's not necessarily like, oh my God, this suddenly change, you know, like it's going to open the floodgates and yeah. we're going to see a bunch of deals announced in the next week that like, weren't, you know, weren't happening previously. But I think it will address some of the feelings of, of hesitancy and caution that we've seen all sorts of evidence of um, in, in the past six months. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think it really will affect deals that could have been or maybe, you know, just kind of on the fence thing. But what I'm hoping is that it pushes those people that were, hesitant to even go look for possible properties, possible investments to say, you know what, eh, I'll, I'll take a look, you know, just so those folks that were just kind of wishy-washy about it, maybe that'll push them to actually be more active in, in seeking out those investments. That, that's my thought, but I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think cause, cause it does have to do with like, you know, if the cap rates, you know, cause there has been the compression in the cap rates, but now you can, think about buying at that cap rate if your cost of capital is less. You don't have to wait for mm-hmm. prices to cool down because you're going to get a, a better return because your cost of capital is less. Yeah, absolutely. And now I know we've talked a lot about WeWork, right? And that's, yeah. that's the, the next story that we were going to cover um, and, and more of an update. You said they postponed the IPO. Yeah, which I think we raised as, which we did raise as an oper- as as a uh, possibility mm-hmm. last week. Um, you know, I think as and, and and nothing, I think nothing changed fundamentally about what we understood. But I think everything that we had been pointing to, um, that the market had been pointing to, the questions that do you think invest- that's why they potential investors it? were having for them? Yeah, do you think that's why they postponed it? Is because yeah. of the concern about profit and all that stuff that had come out yeah. recently. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the questions about it's yeah, it's very clear the questions about its profitability, um the fact that the valuations that people were were uh the 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 valuations that people had of the company had declined so dramatically from where mm-hmm. where they were when the IPO was first being considered uh and that was based on their financial filings that was based on their roadshow and the questions based on the concerns about the corporate governance structure and just like how much control were shareholders going to have um compared to the the CEO of the company just based on some of the weird things they were thinking about doing all of these things just kind of came to a head and i think it became yeah. very clear that if they proceeded with an IPO they weren't going to get the pricing that they you know had thought they were going to get at one point and so now like i think the so the next question becomes you know what they said is that this they're just postponing it for a month you know they're going to go back and um, try to address some of these concerns and then and then do the IPO 
you know, in October. Um, the question is, is that really the timeline uh, or could it be postponed further or does mm-hmm. this kind of change everything? Yeah. And that's, you always have to wonder in the back of your mind, are they just saying that to appease people like, Oh no, we'll just do it next month. It's fine. Right. I mean, right. it's just kind of dismissive. <laughs> whereas, you know, we don't see it, but in the offices they are like, Holy crap, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, or, yeah. you know, stuff's on fire. I have no idea. But uh, since we don't get a chance to look into those offices, to be in those meetings, we can only speculate. We can always only give our opinion, but Speaking of, what is your opinion? What do you think is going to happen next? I mean, you know, I've purely opinion based on no insight as to no additional insight mm-hmm. beyond what we've already talked about um, about the company. I'm skeptical that we'll see an IPO next month. Yeah, I'm. Wa- I'm wondering if it's a. Ah, we're going to do it 2020. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, we're going to. It'll be a good launch in 2020. That's what we're waiting for. All right. Yeah. And I think, you know, it could also, like, the other factors, of course, what the the markets are like in general, whether they're conducive mm-hmm. for IPOs in general, um, in addition to this specific IPO. But I just I just feel like there's been, you know, the process of a company going public just shines, you know, like, you could have a certain narrative about yourself when you're able to not show your books. And yes. you can create this create this mysticism or mythology, probably a better word than mysticism. <laughs> create this mythology about yourself. Um, create this story about yourself. But then, you know, IPO is a cut and dried process that's going to be based on your actual fundamentals and your actual what's the corporate what's the structure going to be? What how many you know what what's and what are the shareholders going to mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. for the, for you know is a and you know how, how are you going to deliver back to them? And I think it just seems like trying to go through that process. It's really shed a lot of light on 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 some issues. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Instagram influencers. You know, it's it's come out so much that they all Photoshop or not all. I'm not going to say all, but most of yeah. them Photoshop their photos to where their bodies are completely different, the backgrounds are completely different. They put flowers in and mountains and things that don't even belong there. Oh, look where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah. You can, you can really do some amazing things if you have the ability to create your own narrative or create your own picture of what the perfect situation is. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out here in the next few months. Yeah. So, and I feel like we've been talking about them in a lot of the episodes. So hopefully we can have at least a few weeks before we have to come back to them. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of moving on, uh, now we, we've got, you had talked about subscription-based retailers and mm-hmm. kind of going toward physical store locations, which is seems counterintuitive to what is happening to all the big box stores or the, the brick-and-mortar stores that are being beaten by online shopping. So this is, tell me about this. Yeah, I find this to be, um, it's a pretty interesting trend. Uh, and it's and it's not like a just a one example. There are several examples of this. Mm-hmm. You know, companies that so you know the, overall the subscription based model for um, all sorts of goods has become very popular. Where like you get you get something on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis or just on demand, um, but. You know the the, the I think the, one of the things they have in common is just this overall brand aesthetic that they often have. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times there's an app involved. Um, it's very you know, 
but it makes it just very easy to kind of sign up for this thing and forget about it. But then every, you know, every month you get this nice box that's got like, you know, certain whatever, whatever you happen to subscribe to. I happen to actually do a couple of subscription services myself. I do like the one of the razor companies. So I get like those blade, you know, ah, get my yes. blades every couple months. Um, those come in. Um, and I also do a, one of the, the, the toothbrush ones. So then they sent, you know, it's electric toothbrush and they just every six months they send me the, the new toothbrush head and uh, the battery. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I've personally found, found these useful. These are not are those other companies in the story, um, but you know, that's the business model. Yeah. I've, I've so, gotten the razors. I'm, I'm right there yeah. with your razors. They were fantastic, but I got so many of them so quickly. I stopped the subscription because I had enough for a full year without them sending right. me any more for a month. I don't shave that often, David. I would just be honest. So yeah, but no, it was, it was a great situation because right to your door and it was a lot cheaper. So I, I get that, but some of these other ones, and, and I want to clarify something in the article. I was just kind of perusing a little bit. Um, it, it says in here, Birchbox, which is a company I've mm-hmm. never heard of, but Birchbox, second brick-and-mortar store, opened in Paris in 2017 after a number of successful pop-ups. What are pop-ups? Oh, so pop-ups are basically like a temporary store that you may operate for you know six to eight weeks often seasonal. Okay. So in um, one of our previous podcasts, you talked about that, that maybe that type of situation, they were inside another store for yeah. a limited amount of time. So that's what a pop-up is. Yeah. Basically. So it could either be in a, like either within another store or even in a, in, in an empty store, uh, or in oh, a yeah, common yes. area okay. space, like a kiosk uh, or something, you know, in a mall, something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, temporary tenant, historically, you know, kiosks, temporary tenants, pop-up stores, that's kind of a certain class of retail leasing. Um, and it's a good way to test a concept or a good way to kind of, you know, do some in-world marketing for your service. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like what we're what some of these companies are doing is even the next level, which is actually opening full stores. Mm. Uh, but I think to answer like, you know, back to your original question about like or the original um idea of whether this is a contradiction between, you know, all the struggles we've seen in re- in the retail world at the expense of online retail. I feel like this is basically what this is about is is the subscription services um, that have been successful at building a customer base uh, are now looking to extend that even further and mm-hmm. see a value proposition in having a, a, a brick and mortar presence where people potential customers uh, for their service can come and see the stuff, mm-hmm. you know, uh, get a better feel for it. So um, Birchbox is a beauty and cosmetics uh, monthly box that you get. So you get samples of makeup or skincare, uh, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, so that, that comes out every, you know, so that that's what they are. So I think in, in their concept, it's going to be um, a store where they have examples of the kind of stuff that would normally be in their um, their monthly box, mm-hmm. and you could even put one together for yourself right in the store, and then sign up for the service to get the get get more of them down the line. Yeah, so that's what they're doing. Okay, and, and what makes I mean this makes perfect sense to me because if you think of it, it's the exact opposite of how the brick and mortars had to start when it was Sears back in the day or Walmart, mm-hmm. Target. They had to go into a location, their first location, build themselves, right, and then get enough consumers to justify opening another store and then opening another store. And they had to do that for branding purposes, for marketing purposes. If you want to be well-known, you've got to 
stretch out, right? You have to stretch out and get into different locations where these folks have already built an online influence. They have enough consumers that have said, yes, we like your products. Yes, we like your service. We're subscribing. Now they can pick and choose where they want to open and they don't have to worry about continually trying to open more stores. They've already got their store situated online, right? I mean, that's that's what they really want. So they can be very choosy where they have very specific stores. So it almost becomes a a, a treat to go to, you know, one of these places in, you know, physically uh, to be able to go to the store and see how it is instead of, yeah. you know, just being in every town. Oh, the, well, I know if I drive two hours from here, I'm going to hit at least 17 Walmarts at least, right? Right. They don't need to do that. Right. Yeah. And I think, and then, but, and I think importantly, it is because since, since the core business does remain, you know, that they are an online retailer that is mm-hmm. shipping out this stuff every month, but this is about consumer acquisition. So, and it's about, you know, you know, I think for, for the most part, where, where you're going to see these kind of stores for these kind of retailers is going to be in um, very high traffic downtown kind of areas, touristy areas, yep, exactly. um, you know, p- possibly very successful malls, but, and, and to get in front of people that may not find these services where they have established themselves, which may be, you know, podcast advertising or on Instagram or mm-hmm. some of these other services, you know, there's certain co- consumers who are not there. Um, so if you want to extend your reach beyond that core audience, it's, you know, a store is going to be is, as a way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are the, some of the, some of the other stores that you've seen do this or, or are in the report itself? Yeah. So in addition to Birchbox, another example is rent the runway, which, um, is, which is best known for renting like designer dresses or uh, for special events and formal occasions. Okay. Um, So they're going to open a showroom uh, in San Francisco. All right. Um, In addition to them, you have a a company called Fabletics, which is co-founded, co-founded by actress Kate Hudson. Um, and they're an online subscription retailer that sells women's activewear. So they're also opening a flagship store, or in this case, sorry, a pop-up store um, that they're going to do in in Soho in Manhattan. All right. So you said they, it's a subscription for athletic clothes? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know they wore out that quickly. Well, I mean, you know, maybe it's six months. I don't know. Well, my, well mine don't. <laughs> Let me put it that way. My my workout clothes I've had for a number of years, probably because I don't work out a lot. So right. maybe the people that do work out, they need new clothes every six months. So well, yeah. you know, and th- there's also athleisure wear, like like where <laughs> some of the wear. some people like wear this as fashion now. Like yeah, there's a certain yeah. fashion, you know, like it's not just it's not just for the utilitarian. Um, you know what you and I might be doing with our gym shorts. Well, no, I'm wearing gym shorts right now. So I mean, it's it, it really. I just want to be comfortable. So yeah, no, I totally get that. Uh, it, yeah. So would you call it sports leisure? No, sport leisure. What you? Athleisure. Athleisure. I've never heard that word before. That's fantastic. Athleisure wear. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my wife. Hey, can you pack my athleisure wear? We're going to Mexico, so I need to make sure we pack pack on my athleisure wear. And yeah, and she's gonna slap me. I'll, I'll tell you. That. I'll, I'll try to record it for you. <laughs> Man, okay, but that, interesting. You know, that's like like the Lululemons. You know, like where like people wear Lululemon. Lululemon. They don't just wear it at the gym. You wear it everywhere. Yeah, so it's just become up. like acceptable to wear. You know, so I think that could be part of it too. That there's 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 almost like a like a fa- you know a fashion. 
dynamic to um, to athletic wear now. Yeah. Okay. Now you're you're taking me back to junior high when yeah there was a period of time where we all thought it was okay to wear spandex to school and such. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just it was wrong then. I think it might. <laughs> anyway, we'll just move on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Any other stores that we need to highlight in that list, or are we moving on to another piece? Um, just two more quick examples. One is uh, uh, Frank and Oak, which is a men's clothing brand, um, and they have now, they're up to over 20 locations, but they started as online. Mm-hmm. Um, and then perhaps like in one of the more curveball ex- uh, examples, so like if, for the most part, these are all like subscription service, opening a pop-up, opening a real store, opening five real stores. Yeah. W- w- the the most curveball example is um, Latote, which is an online women's clothing rental business, which also uses the subscription box model, um, has actually um, acquired Lord and Taylor's brand and inventory. So, hmm. as a way to kind of help extend what they're doing, that's um, that's that's so uh, that, you know that's a particularly interesting example of, of how these companies are evolving now. Like they're to the point where they. Buying an old line successful um, brand like that. Yeah, i I saw your list when you were you know you sent over some notes and I saw that on the list. I, I always thought Latote was a like a suitcase or a bag company. <laughs> I, I did. I so when you said it was women's clothing rental. Okay, interesting. All right. Yeah. Uh, so what's our next piece we're covering today? So um, the, the other thing I just wanted to touch on. Um, quickly, without going too in detail, but just wanted to to promote basically, is that we had a really good interview this week um, with that, that talked about in, in some depth about the possibilities of what should happen with with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in terms of the reforms and the potential privatization that's now that's gotcha. being talked about. Uh, Walker and Dunlop's uh, chairman and CEO Willie Walker spoke with uh, one of our reporters and just gave us a really good interview that I don't think I could do a justice to trying to recap. Right. So yeah. um, I think that would be I just want, so I just wanted to kind of give some extra promotion to that as a good a good piece that people should check out. And that's on nreionline.com, correct? That's correct. All right. Great. David, I know those were the main headlines that you wanted to cover today, at least the the main stories that we wanted to go through. But there are other stories that you guys covered this week. Do you mind if I go through those headlines real quick? Sure. Go ahead. All right. So uh, make sure you go to the website because uh, they covered a lot. So Priya survey that continues to show expectations of moderating growth. Another article about... uh, Asking the question, are California commercial real estate investors going to the Midwest in search of higher yields? Which, being from Omaha, I kind of kind of can see that happen. Uh, <laughs> the next article, multifamily investors spooked by tougher laws are pushing cap rates higher in markets with rent control. Did that have anything to do with we're coming on October? Using that terminology, spooked by tougher laws like Halloween. No? Okay, I'll just move on. All right, just checking. Just checking. We never know. All right, and then the, the last one is, does the spike in net lease office acquisitions signal waning confidence in economy? So there's there's four more headlines. That if you're interested in any of those, make sure you go to nreionline.com. David, any any bits and pieces from those four that you want to touch on? Yeah, two very quick takeaways. One on the, the Prius survey, that's just a good article that's based on this um, quarterly sentiment from some pretty um, – 
pretty big investors, mm-hmm. and it showed, although while they're seeing slowing growth on potential returns in the next few years, their sentiments shifted up slightly from the last quarter. So it's kind of like a mixed message where, yeah, growth, you know, they expect growth to slow, like annual returns to, to, to slow, the pace of annual returns to slow a little bit. They actually were slightly more, more bullish than Q2. Yeah. Um, and then also for the other one, the, the, the multifamily stories, um, I thought was a very interesting breakdown because like there are a number of markets that have had some recent rent control uh, measures put in place. And this was a based on a study that RCA did that kind of tried to capture how that's in, in, uh, influenced buyer's decision since obviously rent control yeah. is going to mean, you know, rents growing slower or not at all. So therefore, um, what, what does that meant for cap rates? So it's a good, good piece to, to look at. All right. Well, thank you, sir, for all the good information this week. And uh, I wish you a happy Friday and have a great weekend. Are you too. All right. And thank you all for listening to the common area podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at NREI, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back next week for all the news that matters to you. And have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NREI or Informa. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only.